Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Yeah, I've been um, sensing it for a while now, but um, I feel like God's bringing a shift in the ministry of our church. I feel like um, I feel like there's been a lot of information in the kingdom of God that lacks the power of God. And a lot of preaching that has been preached that doesn't have signs and wonders attached, doesn't have the miraculous attached, doesn't have the move of God attached to it. I truly believe God is moving in a new way. He's moving in a new uh, direction. And, and, and as a church, we need to be open and aware of that and where God is heading and what he's doing for us here as a ministry, but in the broader community and, and the broader church and body of Christ. Um, I don't ever want to be a church that only tells you about God. And I understand the value of understanding God and having good teaching and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong, theology is important. It's all important. But it's, 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 there's no point being a church that has sound theology if we can't demonstrate that theology in our lives and in our ministry and the way we do things and live our lives. And, and the thing I've, un, I've, I've come to understand is that I can know everything about God and yet, like I said, not actually know God because God is not just found in His information about Him. We'll never, ever exhaust the information of God. There will always be some new thing, new dynamic or new thing about God that, that we will discover as we learn about Him. And we should learn about Him, but we should never ever get to the point where we separate knowledge and experience. The two go hand in hand in everything in life. And so um, I believe that you know, God wants us to be a church that, that is not just well-versed in our theology, well-versed in our, you know, our doctrine, but also very well-versed in our counter and experience of who God is. There needs to be a desperation in us to know God. David said these words, he said, God, I want to know you in the Psalms. And that word know is not just a mental assent to God. There are a lot of people that just have a mental assent. Oh, I know God. I know God, yep. I know who he is. I've heard about God. I went to Sunday school. I've got a mental assent to God. But when David said, I want to know God, I want to know you. It was a a deeper level than just understanding God in his mind. It went to a level of intimacy and relationship. I want to know what it's like to be in relationship with you, God. There was a level of desperation in David that made him willing to pay whatever price it was gonna take to get to that point where he knew God in a way that lived outside sometimes a little bit of his understanding. There will all be, always be things we don't understand. There will always be things that we don't comprehend about God. The Bible tells us that there is a peace of God, that the peace of God lives beyond our understanding. We can't work it all out. It's not that we shouldn't try to understand, but we shouldn't just live in that place. We should accept the fact that God is gonna go beyond what we currently understand about who He is. It will always align with His Word, and that's why His Word is so important, because if anything happens outside of what the Bible says about God or who God is, then we have to start to question, is that really God? 
But if it aligns with His Word and we, our encounter with God can be found in His Word and we understand that it's in there and we can see it and we can read it, then we can rest assured that it's Him. But we need to have a level of desperation in our life for Him. We need to have a, a, a desire inside of us to pursue Him with all that we are. Understanding that, that it's out of desperation comes transformation. And the Christian life should be a life of transformation. It should be a life that is not just built on rituals and, and, and ways of doing things, but literally our lives are transformed by encountering Jesus day by day. It's not a one-time event. I was talking about someone about this before. When you give your life to Jesus, we call it salvation, it's not a one-time event. It's not like I go, okay, I accept you, Jesus, and then forevermore, I'm, that's it. There are many times when we need to come back to Him and reconsecrate our life and say, Lord, I just, I feel separated from you. I need to come back and connect with you again. This is why like, things like church are so important. People go, oh, you can be a Christian without going to church. Of course you can. But what the church does when it's done the way God wants it to be done is it creates opportunity to come and reconnect with your Father in heaven. It creates opportunity to come and say, God, in worship, I just, I just lift my hands to you and I reconsecrate my life to you again. Um, you know, I just feel a little separate from you, God. I don't understand why I feel distant. I'm not really sure what's happened, but I just know in my heart that I'm not as close as what I once was and I just need to come back to you. And so church is this one thing in the life of a Christian that can be used by God to create an opportunity for reconnection. Reading your Bible, having times of prayer in your life, having Christian fellowship, all these things help us to come back to that place of intimacy, that place of connection with God. And that is the, the, the thing we should be focusing on in, our, in, in all that we do with Him. Jesus, if I read my Bible and I don't connect with Him, I'm disappointed. Some of the best advice I was ever given about reading the Bible is read until you connect with Him, then stop and read what He's trying to say to you. So how's that look? Well, you read the Bible until, and what you find is you're reading, the Word will jump off the page. Something will grab your attention. Is that coincidence? Well, no, it's not. That's God. He goes, I want you to stop here and think about this. That's connecting with God. When you pray, pray until you feel like you've connected. In worship, worship. Let the problems of the world filter away for a little while. Just, just, just go, God, I, I'm going I'm to lay that at your feet because I just want to connect with you. I don't want to come to church if I don't connect. If I don't get to experience God some way, then I've got to ask, why am I here? Because I don't want to do religion. I'm not a religious person. I don't like religion. I don't like ritual. I don't like, you know, thinking somehow I've got to check the boxes for God. That's not how God wants me to be. This is not, a, this is not some kind of distant relationship. This is close and intimate. I come because this is the one place I know every week God's going to be here. I may have the worst week in the world and I may have, you know, um, 
times of down and, and, and low times and, and struggle and, and frustration and busyness and, and all that kind of stuff. And I may struggle sometimes in my week to connect with God, but I know when I come to the house of God, I know, I know with all my heart that when I come here, I know I'm going to connect with Him. <laughs> I thought that was my croaky voice. So let's, I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning about desperate for transformation. Desperate for transformation. Often there are a lot of things going on in our life and we tolerate them. We put up with things. Yes, we've prayed about it and we've asked God to do something about it and we're waiting for Him to do it, but we're just kind of tolerating. You know, there's, there's an ailment in our body and we're just kind of, we want God to heal it, but we're just kind of tolerating it. We're not really doing much about it. We're, we're kind, of, kind of want God and we've asked God occasionally to do something or we've come up for prayer and nothing's happened. And, and, and so we're just kind of tolerating and we just seem to tolerate a lot, a lot in life. We seem to tolerate um, things that shouldn't be because it's just easier sometimes to just put up with things. It's just easier just to ignore something and, and to turn away from something. You know, for me, I remember, you know, and recently I was reminded by this by a mentor of mine that, um, you know, like there'll be times when, when, when with depression you have down days, right? And in down days, um, you know, what you want to do is, or what I've always wanted to do is just try and get away from it. So I've just wanted to just distract myself away from this thing. God, oh, I just want to go find something that will distract me from the, those, those down moments that are just horrible and, and not nice. And, and so, you know, I'll run off and I'll get busy in the workshop or I'll run off and I'll do this and I'll do that. And what I totally forget about is actually to turn to God and ask for help. And a mentor of mine said to me, he said, you know, when you do that, what you're actually doing is sinning and you're turning your back on God and you shouldn't do that. Actually, what you need to do is stop and turn towards him. What was I doing? Oh, I'm just trying to survive. It's a survival mechanism to just try and move away from something um, that, that causes hurt and pain, something that causes down feelings. Or, and so I just want to escape it. So instead of, instead of thinking, wow, God could help me with this, I just kind of, we're over here and I'll get busy and distracted and try and forget about it. And, and my mentor helped me, helped me understand that when I do that, all I'm really doing is reinforcing the problem. I can't tolerate. You're not meant to tolerate things like that in your life. You're meant to turn to Christ and say, God, help me deal with this situation. Lord, I'm feeling down today. Could you please help me? Could you help me get through this? Could you give me the strength that your word says you give me to overcome this? Can you help me in this situation? We need to get desperate for God to move. We need to realise that the beginning of desperation is turning towards God, not away from Him. I get sad when I hear, you know, over the years, you know, I've been ministering now for 16, 17 years and, you know, been in many different environments and had many different pastoral discussions and I've had many people in the past and actually I haven't heard a lot of it here in this church, but when they go through something, they go, Pastor, um, you know, I'll follow up with a pastoral meeting with them and they'll say, Pastor, when I get through this, Dave, when I get through this, I'll be back. I'll be back in church. When I get through this, I'll, I'll come back and get, you know, I'll get committed. I'll be in, you know, church at home. I'll be in small group. I'll be in this. I've just got to deal with this situation. 
And, and so you go, okay, that's your choice. You choose what you want to do. You don't have to be here. This is your choice. And, uh, and, and so I'll just wait. And, and I'll reach out occasionally and I'll see how you're going. But, but you know, the sad thing is, there's so many people that I've in, had to pastor like that. The saddest thing is, is a lot of them end up out of church altogether, never to, to, never to return. And it's normally because they never get to the end of the problem. Because the reality was when they turned their back on the church, they actually turned away from God. And is that the case for everyone? No, it's not. But for a lot of people, when you turn away from the body of Christ, you get separated. The Bible tells us clearly that we are joined together, knitted together, that we all have a part to play. There's a hand, there's a foot, they're different. They're connected through the body of Christ. When the foot decides, I don't wanna be a foot anymore and they walk away and disconnect themselves. As soon as we leave connection to the body, we start to decay. It gets harder and harder to follow. It gets harder and harder to connect with God. We need to be desperate in our hearts for connection with God. Sometimes that connection will be through people, you and I together, connecting together. Other times it'll be with you and Him when you pray and seeking Him and you'll feel that connection. But we, want to, we need to get desperate. Come with me to Mark 10, verse 46. It'll be up on the screen for those who haven't brought their Bibles today. In verse 46, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. We all know this story. We've heard it many times, but let's read through it again today and see what God has to say to us. It says this, Then they came to Jericho. So this is Jesus and his disciples. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he had, when he, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The thing I want to note right here, right now, at the beginning, is, is, is Bartimaeus was not asking. I had never seen this before, but when I read that verse, it didn't finish in a question mark. So he wasn't asking God, can you have mercy on me, Jesus? He wasn't, he wasn't asking Jesus to do it. He was proclaiming agreement with Jesus that He will do it. And there's a difference. And the difference is this, it's the difference between sonship and slavery. It's the difference between being a son and understanding being, what being a son of a father really is or being a slave and understanding what it means to have to ask all the time for permission. And, and, and to receive from God because, because I just don't actually know what God has done for me. And so Bartimaeus somehow found the courage and he'd heard about, obviously heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, understood that, you know, Jesus was a son, Jesus, son of David, he says. So he understands that there's some kind of father-son thing going on here. That, 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 and so he, he, he gets bold in that moment. And he approaches Jesus in a way, he shouts out to Jesus, heal me. Why? Because your word says that you're a healer. So I proclaim it right now. I, I claim it right now over my life. I'm not asking Lord because I don't need to ask. Why? Because you've already said that you're going to do it. 
So I'm not gonna just ask and beg you to do it. Why? Because I'm a son. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually entitled to it because you said I could have it. Now it doesn't go into the realm of disrespecting God where somehow we're berating God for not doing something that He said He would do. But it goes into the realm of agreement. So He claims mercy from Jesus. He appeals to the mercy and the compassion of Christ. Another version says that, that, that when Jesus was passing by, Bartimaeus cried out. He shouted. And some of us may feel like, well, Jesus just passes me by. He's gonna pass me by. And, and, and I've heard about Jesus, but and He might've done it for someone else, but He hasn't done it for me. And He won't do it for me because you know why? Because I'm not worthy. Pastor, if you knew what I'd done in my life, if you'd, know, if you'd known the things that I've said, if you'd known the things that I've done to people, if you knew the stuff that I look at on the internet, you'd understand why I'm not worthy and why God doesn't want me. It's desperation that leads to transformation. Hunger will lead us to transformation. Desperation leads us to life encounters with Jesus that transform us. When we get dissatisfied with the way our life is, when we get dissatisfied with the way the world is, when we get dissatisfied with the way the church is, when we get to a point where we're so dissatisfied with things that it drives us to cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, do something about this situation. Your Word says you will do something, so let it happen as, you, as your Word says it will be. When we pray, we pray amen. And, and basically what amen means is let it be so. It's a, it, 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 I'm in agreement with you. What your word says, let it happen, Lord. And basically what Bartimaeus was saying is your word says I should be healed. Let it happen, Lord. I'm appealing to your mercy and compassion and I'm in agreement with you that you are a healer. So heal me. Why not me? Why not you? Why would, why, why, why would God want to overlook you? That's not the God I know. That's not the God of the Bible. Jesus will not pass you by. He didn't pass by Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus was a nobody. He was at the bottom of society. He was a beggar. He had the cloak. The cloak represented all that he was. It represented his failings. It represented his lineage. It represented his, his position in life and society. He was a nobody that was worth nothing and nobody wanted anything to do with him. Why? Because he was disabled and he was lame and he was blind and he had nothing to offer. How many of us have felt like that? How many of us have lived life where we felt like, I, have, I am completely unworthy. I'm useless. We've had people tell us, you'll never amount to anything. Thank you, my English teacher. Guess what? I'm an author and I wrote a book. So, <laughs> which is published. I like to remember that. We've had people tell us. I'm sure as I say that, Faces come to memory, right? 
you will never amount, you will never amount to anything. That was Bartimaeus' life. Day in, day out, sitting on a mat with his cloak on because you know, beggars wore cloaks and the cloak was not clean. It wasn't white as snow. It was as dirty and filthy as the ground that he was sitting on. He smelt. Nobody wanted to know him. He was a social outcast. And yet he cried out to Jesus and he got Jesus' attention. Why? Because Jesus was never going to pass him by. He was always going to stop for him. It was Bartimaeus' desperation and hunger that got Jesus' attention. Here's the thing. You ever heard of that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Ever wonder why you can't make it drink? People go, oh, because they're stubborn. No, 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 because they're not thirsty. It's not because the horse is stubborn. I'm sure if you led the horse to water and it was thirsty, it would drink, right? It would be thankful for the water. Well, maybe not thankful. I don't know how horses think, but I've only got Mr. Ed to go off. But anyway, some of you are like, who's Mr. Ed? <laughs> some of you younger generation, right? Do you know who Mr. Ed is? <laughs> horse is a horse, of course, of course. The famous Mr. Ed. It was an old black and white movie where they made the horse talk. Anyway, you can't lead a horse to water and make it drink because it's not thirsty. I can try and get you to come to church. I can try and get you to read your Bible as your pastor. I can try and help you pray and I can teach you about Jesus and I can do all these things, but I cannot get you to experience God if you're not hungry for it. My job's not just to teach you about Jesus. There are plenty of good podcasts and stuff online these days. Nearly every church has a live stream now because of COVID. You can tune in to anyone, anywhere, anytime, anything you want. You can re-watch episodes. You can podcast in your car. You can do all sorts of things. You can get apps on your phone that gives you all the information you can ever get about Jesus. My job's not to compete with that. My job is not to even worry about that because all I know is my job is to lead you into an encounter with Jesus Christ, which is probably the one thing that can be really hard to do online. You can get a lot of information and yeah, you may encounter God, but, but I tell you now, there's nothing like being in a moment just like this when Jesus decides He wants to do something powerful. But it all comes down to hunger and thirst. The Bible says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for God, for righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness is basically right standing with God. Blessed are those who wanna be right with God is basically what it's saying. For they will be filled. Why are they filled? Because they're hungry for the things of God. They're hungry for an encounter with God. They're hungry for God to do something spectacular in their life. In uh, Psalms 42 verse one, it says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Another verse, it says, longs for you, O God. My God, as a deer pants for water. As a deer is thirsty, for sustenance, for refreshment, so my soul 
wants that same sustenance and refreshment from God. If our soul doesn't desire that, there's something wrong in our soul. We need to come to Jesus and sort it out. And it may just be that I need to reconsecrate my life again to Him, to allow Him to wash in again so I encounter and experience Him in a way that my knowledge doesn't produce in my life. Here's the second thing I want to talk about. My worthiness has nothing to do with God's willingness. My worthiness has nothing to do with God's willingness to meet me in my life. You cannot be good enough. I cannot be good enough. I cannot read my Bible enough. I cannot pray enough. I cannot jump through enough hoops to get God to love me more than He already does. But here's the beauty. There's nothing... There's nothing terrible enough and there's nothing bad enough for me to have Him stop loving me for who I am and who He's created me to be. God loves me and that's the end of the story. And people go, oh, but what about those people that murder people? God loves them. They may not know Him, but knowing God and not knowing God doesn't change the fact that God loves you anyway. When you realise that God loves me as much as He loved Osama bin Laden, Bible tells us God has no favourites. He loves us all the same. What's the difference? Well, I know God and He didn't. So what that mean? It means that I get to go to heaven and He didn't get to go to heaven, but God did not love him anyway. God still loved him. God loves man so much that He desires to be in relationship with Him. My worthiness has nothing to do with His willingness. Why? Because I'll never be worthy enough in my own ability. I can't treat people good enough. I can't do all the right things. I can't perform all the right things. I, 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 I can't even pronounce the, the words properly in the Bible. You know, you hear me preach all the time. How could somebody that can't pronounce the words in the Bible properly go to heaven? It's not about my worthiness. I'll never be good enough. That's okay. Why? Because I'm human. You and I are human. What's that mean? It means you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. We're going to treat people poorly. We're going to make bad mistakes sometimes. We're going to say things about people and maybe even about God that is not true. Does that mean that God doesn't love me anymore? Of course not. There may be some things we need to get right in our heart about Him and about situations and we may repent and we may need to say sorry and, and forgive and release forgiveness and receive forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. But all of that will happen, but God is still loving you all the way through. I read this story this morning about this guy, I can't remember his name, I wish I could remember it, but he was the head of a, a drug uh, syndicate, he was the head of a gang in America and uh, anyway, he was, you know, like high fly, lots of money, party, the whole lot. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could remember it. But anyway, he, um, he eventually got caught and went to jail. And he was put in a cell and, and he was there. And, 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 they, um, and he always liked to smoke. So he managed to get some of the smuggled cigarette smokes in, cigarettes into him, like tobacco. Um, but he didn't have anything but the tobacco. So what he would do is he would take the, uh, he would take the Gideon's Bible. And he'd rip a page out, tear it up, and then he'd roll his cigarette and, and he'd smoke it. And this one time he rolled up this cigarette and he smoked it and, and then put it down anyway, it smoldered out. 
And when he looked down, all that was left was a little bit of paper and, and he opens the paper up and, and, and in the scripture, it's like, you know, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Instantly, he gives his life to the Lord. Life is transformed, becomes, starts telling people in the prison about what happened. They're getting saved. Then he gets out of prison. He goes in, into the, you know, out, out the back somewhere in America and he starts preaching the gospel and all these people getting saved. And, 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 and that just tells me, it shows me that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, that none of us are so far gone that God, gone that God can't reach us. Like I said, Bartimaeus was unworthy in every way through man's eyes. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. But that didn't stop Jesus. Why? Because Jesus wasn't responding to Bartimaeus' worthiness. He was responding to his faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It was Bartimaeus' desperation that God got Jesus' attention. Faith drove him to cry out in desperation, which brought the transformation from the encounter with Jesus. Miracles happen when we choose to abandon reasons why they can't. When we choose to believe that they can happen despite any reason why they can't happen. Does that mean we're gonna get a miracle every time? Well, maybe not. But does that mean we shouldn't believe? Of course not. We don't know the ways in the mind of the Lord. But we've got to trust that what His Word says is true and He is faithful. And if He says He's going to do something, then all of heaven is behind that, championing the fact that He will. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you might do. It's got nothing to do with uh, what type of person you are, what you, uh, how you live your life. It's got everything to do with having faith in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to believe and stand in faith until God moves? Third thing is this, throw off what hinders you and come to Jesus. So Bartimaeus cries out, everybody around him saying, shut up, you worthless dog. Just shut up, Bartimaeus. Don't bother Jesus, he's got a mission. Don't interrupt him. He's busy doing other things. Just be quiet, Bartimaeus. But Jesus heard him cry out and he stops. He's like, tell him to come to me. Then all of a sudden, the disciple or the guys that are there are like, cheer up. He's called you. He wants you to come, Bartimaeus. We're not telling you to shut up, you filthy dog anymore. We're saying, come with us. He wants to speak to you. Now I recognise you, Bartimaeus. Why? Because the leader said, there's a whole nother preaching message there, right there about how to treat people. And the Bible says in verse 50, throwing off his cloak aside or throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. You gotta understand that cloak represented so much in his world. 
Some scholars say that that cloak was passed down from his father, Timaeus. That the reason why Timaeus was mentioned in the scriptures is because there was a generational transference of begging on his life. That's what I've heard some scholars say. Maybe some say other things, maybe. But you know, even just thinking about that for a minute, that meant his identification, one, come from his father as a nothing person. That, he, that, he, that, that, that cloak represented his lowly position in society. That it represented that he was rejected by people. It represented that he was nothing. He was a disabled person that had nothing to offer. It represented the failings in his life. It represented the disappointments. It represented the death of his dreams and you know, the fact that he had nothing to live for. He was just surviving in life. It represented so much of negative for his world. The problem is, is we carry cloaks just like that. We carry them. And we come to church, we go to our friends' places, we pray together, we live life, we go to work, we do all these things. We go shopping and we're carrying our cloak. And it's our cloak of disappointment, it's our cloak of unworthiness, it's our cloak of all the reasons why God can't love me, it's the cloak of why I don't fit in, it's the cloak of what is, you know, it's the cloak of all the negative words that have been spoken over my life that I've agreed with and somehow uh, they've stuck with me since I, from when I was in high school and now I'm all the way, I'm like in my elderly years and I'm still carrying those words, why? Because I'm still wearing the cloak and you've got to ask the question, how long do you need before you're willing to, to, to drop the cloak on the ground and come to Jesus? How long do you want to live and replay and, and, and keep telling yourself those things over and over and over again of just how unworthy you are, just how bad a person you are? How long do you want to have that stuff and carry that stuff? How long do you want that baggage? Because the reality is, is you can have it as long as you choose. But get this, it is not from God and God does not want you to have it and He wants you to be free from it today. But what's it going to take? Desperation, hunger, thirst to come to God. Jen, can I have you come up? It's all our complaints. It's all our excuses. It's all our arguments. It's all the offensive words and unbelief that's been spoken over our life. I feel like God constantly challenged me when these things pop up in my mind, to give them over to Him. And sometimes I just agree, you know what? Yes, I'm not worthy, but Jesus makes me worthy. Yes, I'm not perfect, but Jesus makes me perfect. Yes, I did get that wrong, but Jesus is a redeemer and He's gonna redeem it. But gotta remember that Jesus is a God of restoration. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of grace and mercy. We see Bartimaeus appealing to the compassion and grace and mercy of Jesus. And instantly Jesus' attention is pricked up. Why? Because He will always respond to an appeal to His compassion. Everywhere in the Bible, where someone cried out to Jesus, He did something. So I wonder, 
How much longer do you wanna carry the cloak? How much longer do you wanna carry the shame? How much longer do you wanna carry the regret? How much longer do you wanna carry the failure? How much longer do we wanna wear like a badge on our sleeve? How much longer do we wanna be the victim? Because we can be a victim as long as we want. But the Bible tells us so clearly that we are victors in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that we are, if we are a son of God, then we are free. That there's peace in our chaos because we have Jesus. That there's forgiveness for our sins. Why? Because we have Jesus. That there's healing for our ailments. Why? Because we have Jesus. Because God sent Jesus to die on a cross for you, for me, for the world. And He did it not because of any other reason, but He wanted relationship with you and I. He did it for no other reason, but He wanted to come down and connect with you and I in a way that was more than head knowledge, but it was encounter, it was experience, it was relationship, it was intimacy. It's, it's, a, it's a connection that words sometimes can't explain. But yet here it is. So I wonder this morning, are you willing? Are you ready to let it go? Are you ready to do what Bartimaeus did and cast the cloak aside and come to Jesus and say, Lord, here I am, warts and all. Here I am with my brokenness, my failure, my shame, my regret, my problems, my sin, everything. Here I am, Lord, here I am. I love the words that Jesus says to the religious people of His time. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. He was talking to a people that were trying to live and live up to like more than 600 laws on how, on what not to do and what they should be doing to be good God followers. And so, but what he, what, when Jesus came, people, they, they just, it was impossible for them. They were trying to adhere to these real rules, the Torah. You know, they were trying to do what God, that the Pharisees were telling them they should be doing. And they, they were trying to do it. And they realised very quickly that it was impossible, impossible to live up to the standard of what it meant to be a religious person in that time. But that's all they had until Jesus come. And they saw Him as a teacher and He stood up and He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the same God that when He's asked, what is the fulfilment of the law? What's the most important? And He says, these are the two most important commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. So Jesus was into taking the law and, 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 and making it something that people could live for because He understood that that was impossible but in Christ all things are possible for Him who believes that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that there is something about being in relationship with Jesus that brings freedom, that brings peace, and that brings forgiveness. And that is what's on offer here this morning. That is what God has got for you. 
and you don't have to understand and you don't have to have it all worked out and you don't have to dot every I and cross every T and and think that you've got to work it all out before you can come to God. You can come to God without all the knowledge. You can come to God without any knowledge because I tell you, once you come to Him, you'll start to understand. I've said to people before, sometimes I, I could try to explain everything to you, but there's something about making a decision to follow Jesus. There's something about that encounter, something about that experience that explains it so much more once you get on the other side. But it all starts by making a decision to come to Him. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.